This is Sam from Paradise Beers, and you're listening to PS Tape Recorder. Hello there, I'm PF, this is my tape recorder. Coming up, a review of the Bunbury Music Festival featuring an interview with New Politics. When I met David, I was doing some engineering work for a guy who's a producer in Denmark, and he was sharing a studio with Sorin and Klaus from Aqua. So I was actually singing demos to them. We'll discuss more about the Bunbury Festival in just a bit and hear the new politics interview. We're also going to hear a brand new track from acclaimed synth-pop trio Zoot Woman. But first, as always, well not as always, fake music news! And now fake music news with me! Major established pop stars dominate the nominations for the MTV Video Music Awards this year, with a few artists who broke out in the past year like Iggy Azalea, Miley Cyrus, and Sam Smith getting recognized in major categories. The awards ceremony will be broadcast live from the Forum in Inglewood, California on Sunday, August 24th. Ariana Grande, Usher, and Five Seconds of Summer will all perform at the event. MTV is still failing to see the irony of giving out awards for videos, even though they don't really play any. Weird Al's new album Mandatory Fun was released this past Tuesday. No joke here, Al is probably the most underrated humorist in America. Think anyone can write a parody song, folks? Go to YouTube and look up parodies for the songs Al chose for his album, and then listen to Al's. I rest my case. And Al's not a one-trick pony either, by the way. There's more than just funny songs. Go see him live, you'll see what I mean. Ed Sheeran, appearing on Zane Lowe's program on BBC Radio 1, highly recommended by the way, revealed to the host that he was greatly inspired by Eric Clapton, which means the young British singer will soon be old and boring. Michael Jackson knew every song on Shaggy's Hot Shot album, a report revealed this week. The Jamaican-American rapper found worldwide fame in 2000 when he released It Wasn't Me featuring Rick Rock on guest vocals from his platinum-selling fifth studio album, a tune that proved once again that Shaggy's records would be even better if he didn't sing on them at all. And finally, John Legend and Chrissy Teigen really want kids, according to the model. The Sports Illustrated Beauty married the singer in September of 2013, and she revealed while co-hosting US TV show Extra on Wednesday that the pair feel ready to start a family as they inch closer to celebrating their one-year anniversary. We both really want kids, she said, and we have a long list of ridiculous names ready to go. And that's been Fake Music News with me. We were at Bunbury 2014 this past weekend, and uh, we reviewed it for the Pop Culture Beast, and uh, it'll have lots of photos, and hopefully I'll get that done by the time you folks are hearing this, and uh, you can go to popculturebeast.com and check it out along with plenty of photos from Fangirl. Hey, so, hey uh, what do you think of Bunbury overall, Fangirl? I think that overall, it was one of the better ones, actually. <laughs> yeah, I was saying in my uh, printed review that I think a lot of people were disappointed with the lineup when it was announced in February, but what I don't think people realize is a lot of these bands are just starting to get known, number mm-hmm. one, of the ones that aren't the headliners. Yeah. And um, I think they really tried to bring bands that were really good live. They made a really concerted because... I yeah, was, definitely. Yeah, which leads us to our first band. Well, actually, our first band when we showed up was uh, was Wild Cub. I thought were funny because they were all nice and kind to the audience and then when people started leaving after the single I think presumably to go to another band oh my god dude got a little dicky 
It was so funny. <laughs> I like, was like, "Hey, calm, calm yourself." Yeah, he's like, uh, "People, you know, people in Ohio buy a lot of our music because we get the statistics." And he was all nice about it. And he goes, "Oh, people are leaving out because after the single." I'm like, "Whoa, dude, dude, you had up and you lost them. <laughs> Easy, buddy." So I mean, people will leave after the single it's because in a festival, especially at Bunbury, you've, you've got to uh, sometimes bands overlap, or there's somebody you want to see and you want to run and catch into somebody else. So it just it happens that way. And um, <laughs> speaking of, by the way, one improvement they did make this year, if folks have been to Bunbury before, is that uh, they rearranged the stages. So instead of having the main stages facing each other in one part of the park, they had them in two different sections of the park. And boy, I think they got the same amount of people, but it sure didn't seem like it. It seemed like oh, it was yeah, a lot was so easier nice. to move around. Wow. And, uh, yeah, that was a huge, huge difference. Um, for those who don't know, it's uh, Bunbury is held on the riverfront in Cincinnati. On uh, There's two parks that are next door to each other, and they're on a thin strip of land that runs along the riverfront uh, right past our arena and then running uh, out toward, uh, going out toward the suburbs. And it's I think it's probably about a mile, mile and a half of land. Mm-hmm. And um, they last year they tried to jam both main stages of, of, of facing each other, which was handy if you wanted to go back and forth between two acts but was not handy if you wanted to move to another part of the park because there was a bottleneck there. But uh, they seemed to solve that. And then we saw Cage. I was very impressed by Cage. I know, right? I couldn't hear. There was something wrong with the speakers, so I could not hear any of the vocals from where I was sitting, but people uh, in the back could hear them just fine because when I went back oh. to meet my friends, they were like, oh, he's really good. I'm like, I haven't heard a word he said. Oh, we didn't have so any problem. We were waiting back. I was a little bummed. They played my, my favorite song of their second, so I didn't get to hear much Boy, of it. Wait, that's, uh, that's a big uh, trend that I'm not really behind is coming out, out of the gate with like a big single. Vampire Weekend did I, that to us. Paramore did that to us. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, they're not really the big singles. They're just our favorite of the singles. I think Diane Young would be a big one for Vampire. Who are not at yeah. this festival, by the way. We saw them a couple weeks ago. But I'm just—it's this mm. trend. I get—I guess for Paramore's case, it got all the posers out of the way, like me. Oh, yeah, <laughs> the Elephant got all the posers out of the way first because I—I yeah. I remember leaving because I was in an uncomfortable part of the crowd. So after I heard all the hits, I'm like, uh, yeah. oh, I'll catch up with you. I, <laughs> I was telling your mother that um, if uh, Cage the Elephant were around in the '80s, they would have moved from Bowling Green, Kentucky, where they're from, to Athens, Georgia. <laughs> They're very much REM, uh, Guadalcanal Diary, uh, that, that those kind of groups from Athens. So, and again, very impressive live. Would not have thought so, but uh, and it didn't really start out like he was going to be all crazy yeah he started out really chill and boring and then like out of nowhere he's like jumps into the crowd and like the the guitar player was actually right up against me a security guard had to move me Um, oh wow i didn't (laughs) know that oh yeah uh, yeah so then we um and then uh we got to see uh after that another pleasant surprise fits in the tantrums fit fit yeah Fits of the Tantrums had a lot more fun of a crowd, but they weren't as good on stage as Cage. So watching Cage on stage and well, then going to Fits, it was kind of just like, oh, okay, this is like a regular band. That's Cage true. Cage kind of set the bar really high for they, performance. They, they did, but I was still... But the crowd for Cage was not having his... That's true, his, his shenanigans. Yeah. And yeah, maybe that's not a crowd that goes for that. But I think a lot of people showed up for Fits because they have a couple of um, more recent radio mm-hmm. hits. Uh, even though, well, Cage has the, had the one that was out over the summer. But, um, you know, Fitz has had the Walker and um, Out of My League. <laughs> And, uh, but still, I was very pleasantly surprised at how much those guys moved around. And I told this to uh, Jonathan, uh, who's the author of this book that I interviewed yesterday, which you may be hearing in coming weeks, by the way. Uh, let me see where it's, it's, uh, I want to get his name right here. Jonathan Bernstein. I want to make sure I got that correct. Uh, he wrote the book, uh, with, um, his co-author there, Lori Majewski, Mad World, uh, an oral history of new wave artists that the songs that define the 80s. We're going to have them on in a couple of weeks. Just finished the interview yesterday. But anyway, I was telling him that they reminded me of an 80s band, Style Council, and that uh, you They're had 80s. mostly white guys 
uh, a black girl singing with the uh, lead singer and a horn section and mm -hmm. keyboards, but not techno -y keyboards, more like electric piano. The horn organ. section was awesome. They played Talk Dirty. They, yes, they did. That was the best thing. Yeah, and had a lot of fun with it. And uh, yeah, so, and I looked it up. Dude and Fitz, he's like almost my age. Yeah. He's like five years Oh, yeah, years you can tell when me. you're close. Yeah, when you're yeah. Close up. Dude, so I guess there's hope for us all, for, uh, for <laughs> us all out there. Okay, so uh, they were, we did not stick around for Empire of the Sun uh, because we were getting ready for what was supposed to be a big day on Saturday. Although uh, a guy we're in the t-shirt business with, with home shirts, said uh, they, he really enjoyed Empire of the Sun. Oh, yeah, they were supposed to be really cool, like yeah. costume changes and stuff. Yeah, I, I could see that. Now, uh, on Saturday, we were hoping to interview a lot of people. We were hoping to interview <laughs> uh, cults and uh, the Orwells and New Politics. And they were supposed to interview East Hills on uh, Sunday. Now, uh, we kept going back and forth with uh, Orwell's and Cults have the same publicist, and then New Politics had a different publicist. Um, we got New Politics sorted. We're going to hear them in a little bit, of course. And then uh, Cults and Orwell's, we were going back and forth with the publicist, and the last thing that I heard from him was, well, and you should understand, if you go back and listen to our Arctic Monkeys review back in February, Orwell's opened for Arctic Monkeys, and we were very impressed. Mm -hmm. uh, unlike the uh, scribe from our local daily newspaper who... Oh, had, yeah, he was not... He had no time for the Orwell shenanigans up there. Not at all. But we were very supportive. We sent that review to Orwell's publicity. He's like, oh, thanks, this is great. I'll show it to the guys. So we thought, Aww, well, we're, we're I in. I know that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, was, they, were, they were very appreciative of Aww. the print review and of the when the podcast where we said, yeah, we were, we're, we're big Orwell's fans. Yeah. So I figured, well, this is a slam dunk. <laughs> we'll get the Orwell's on. Well, I kept I trying so and trying. I that we didn't. Well, the last question I got from him was, this will be for the City Beat podcast. And I'm like, well, there hasn't been a City Beat podcast for four years this will be for this dopey <laughs> thing and for the pop culture beast which actually probably gets as many hits as city beat but around the world and across the country where city beat would just be local but um uh in the end the orwell said no thank you um as did you like that <laughs> yeah <laughs> as did cults now cults <laughs> who we saw open for vampire weekend and we also liked um I thought, well, but to interview them, so, uh, surely, as the English would say. Well, well I, I think the problem there, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. I think the, the problem might have been they were stuck in Denver until Saturday morning oh, yeah. and barely made it. So we'll give them a pass on that one, even <laughs> though I'm pretty sure they also said, no, thank you. But um, Orwells would have been difficult to interview. Most of their interviews are kind of sketch. Uh, yeah, we heard, w w wasn't the word on the street that they were The kinda... word on the street was that all they felt like talking about the day of Bunbury was drugs, and that okay. happened to be the only thing on their mind. All right, well. I'm not surprised. Okay, and that's, you know, that's, and this is from other journalists. <laughs> Might have been better. Yeah, these are from other journalists that were covering the, the he, gig. Yeah, he, he seemed a little grumpy on stage, too. He wasn't as fun as he was when we saw Arctic Monkeys. Yeah, well, I think the other problem, too, we'll, we'll review that first before we get back to the Saturday bands, because they were on Sunday. Oh, sorry. But, well, no, but, now that we're on the subject, I think the problem is that the sec the stage they were on, the stage is actually low because it's a permanent stage in the park, which they converted to a big stage. But the problem is it sits low. It's <laughs> only like, what, two, three feet off the ground. Yeah. Whereas the other one is probably about five, maybe six feet off the ground just because they build that stage. And so I think you couldn't see a lot of what he was doing. So I think that kind of, and then that, of course, that affected, I think, the crowd's enjoyment uh, of it. But, you know, certainly they didn't do anything wrong. It's the fact that they didn't. I don't, oh, yeah. I don't think that uh, that part of the... Uh, of the staging was planned as well. But, the other um, problem with that stage was the way that the, the photo pit is, they put an aisle splitting the crowd in half, and that's how you get up to the front. Oh, yeah. So it was like, I was on the left side of that aisle, and there was another crowd on the right side, of course, and everyone on the right was super into it, and I happened to be in the crowd that had just, oh. like, never heard of them. So he was not having our side of the stage at all. He actually moved his mic stand 
to the other ah, side of the state because everyone was more into it on that side. But I should note a lot of people um, were in on the buzz and were there. People were asking me. They thought I looked hip. It was so funny. Who oh are these God. guys? And I got to say, it was the Orwells, man. So I thought man. that was man. That's pretty. Yeah. So people were, were asking, you know, me who these who these guys were. Cause like I said, I mean, they saw me bopping along. I forgot. I must know what time bopping. it is. Yeah. Well, you know. So anyway, we were able to spread the word. I think the other uh, reason probably that we didn't get the Orwells is because the, there is a lot of heat on these guys. There is. And uh, yeah, we were. I, I thought we were late to the party, but I think we were just in time. But yeah. even at that, uh, they were over in, in the UK. They've got a lot of buzz on them because of Arctic Monkeys. They were on Zane Lowe's show in the Maida Vale Studios, mm-hmm. which is massive. That's like the old John Peel show for folks uh, familiar with that. Um, that's a big thing to do over in Britain. So obviously, you're not going to go from Zane Lowe's show to PS Tape Recorder. Yeah, that's just not going to happen. <laughs> no are, one, are we, are we no just talking Orwells right now? Orwells right now, yeah. But let's go back to Saturday. Wait, but okay. Wait, I'll keep finish, let's finish no, up with okay. Orwells. No, go ahead. Okay. Um, it was a great way to end that. Oh, well, no, well, I mean, okay, no. Mar- Mario is really sweet, but he's very quiet. So uh, we, we went back and we met him by some porta-potties, actually. And he was yeah, nice enough to let us stage. all touch his hair. Didn't really Not say me. a word. He just kind of, like, puts his head down and he's like, here you go. Yeah. But, yeah, so the cr- he uh, noticed that I was into it on the left side of the crowd and that it was really only me. So at one point, he jumped over me, forcing me to hurt my back, having to bend back to make room for him to flop over, which was just... That was pretty cool. That so, was cool. And uh, my wife also decided to get touches here and get a picture with him. And I, I can only exciting. I can only imagine the vulgar things that were said about my wife by Maria. Any Stop. cute girl, any, any cute girls out there? Oh yeah, there was there were these Stop girls it. and this one hot mom. Stop. Oh good lord. I'm cutting you off. Hey, I'm not wrong though. All right, so uh, let's see. Let's go back to uh, Saturday and uh, our our new best friends. Yes, my best friends. New politics. Oh my god, they Another. really are my friends and and we're amazing live i think you you had a good uh, analogy last year who the, who they were trying to emulate maybe this oh 21 pilots they were so 21 they were the pilots. 21 pilots of this year's 21 pilots last year did a raucous performance where they even climbed broke their the piano stage and, and broke climbed the over piano. the stage and i don't know if new politics saw that or and, they do and i think they did the crazy dancing too yeah i don't know if new politics saw that or if they they were just booked because they do that actually the reason <laughs> they were booked uh, largely is because they were part of the uh the the monument tour with uh that saturday's headliner um, Fallout Boy and Paramore, the support act, and they're also like the support support act. So all those things I think kind of came together. But um, they actually agreed to talk to us. They were so nice, and we'll play that for they you in a minute. Bays. They were very, they were very nice guys uh, from Denmark. They live in New York now. The one guy, uh, they were a trio. They still are a trio. Their drummer went back to Denmark. They hired an American drummer who reminds me a lot of the lead singer of Hot Shell Ray. Love him. I know, right? And uh, very nice guys. Marched bass represent. And there you go. Um, so we'll get to them in a minute. Um, wandering around, I also saw some other people. Family and friends were, were pretty good. They were more of a folky situation, kind of like a, a poi dog pondering. Um, let me see. Who else? Fly Gold Eagle were okay. Did you see anybody while you were wandering around? That Oh, uh, this Kishibashi guy was pretty good. Oh, I like, yeah. I caught his single, which apparently is called uh, Eye of the Master. Uh, that was pretty cool. And then, oh, Andrew W.K. Uh, I saw Paramore's first song, which was the hit. Woo! And then I said, uh, then I went uh, and wandered around, and I uh, went over to Andrew WK, and whose live set, like his studio stuff, is you hear the one song, you're excused, you're done. <laughs> and then, oh, and then Foxy Sajem, who are from here, <laughs> who actually got a huge crowd. There was a stage set up oh, on the river. Yeah. Uh, there, the way the park works is there's a cement wall of steps that go down to the river, but it's it, it's called a serpentine wall because it curves all around. 
uh, along the shoreline, and they've set up a stage there very cleverly, and Foxy Shazam probably should have played a bigger stage because it was completely packed. It was crazy when I went there. And I was very happy for them, but I just, I don't get it. (laughs) Paramore was awesome, though. Maybe I'm just, well... Yeah, Paramore were really good. And again, another one, I was very surprised at how um, energetic they were. But the, the cool thing that happened in Paramore was in the beginning of their dramatic slow song, and like, you know, oh, the yes. band's not playing, Haley's singing, and like, very quiet. And it's really sweet, and everyone's getting all like cozy. And then all of a sudden, she's like, oh my God, should we stop? So she's like, okay, band, stop. And we all think that it's an emergency because security guards come rushing into the center of the crowd, and it was just a skunk spraying everyone. Yep. That was pretty cool. <laughs> and that's on YouTube. You can look that up. Not oh, that, my God. It's so funny. They show her stopping the show. They don't show the skunk. But anyway, oh uh, getting back God. to Foxy Jam for just a minute. I know I'm, I just will show my pop sensibilities, and I guess Foxy Shazam are doing something, uh, I guess, that I'm not getting. And they're very much a band's band. Fun mentioned them last year because they're buddies with them. Uh, I guess Fall Out Boy seem to be big fans of yeah. Foxy Shazam. But to me, Foxy Shazam seems like they're just kind of making up songs as they go along. Yes, it's so true. <laughs> On the other hand, you cannot take your eyes off these guys. It's a very interesting. They kind of have a sort of a two lead singer thing. They have a lead singer for sure, but another guy plays trumpet and also does a lot of vocals and stuff. And they fly around the stage. And uh, it was interesting. I could not take my eyes off of it. <laughs> Sonically, I wasn't into it that much, but uh, visually, put on a really good show. If they come to your town, I would definitely go see them. And now I'll let you review Fallout Boy Man because um, I thought they were all right. I just it never took with me. Yeah. So. No. Well. I- Wait, when you say you thought they were all right, do you mean at Bunbury or in general? Both. Yeah, the thing is, I just, I kind of thought that they were all right at Bunbury. I feel like they just kind of knew that they were so big and that it was such a big deal that they were touring in the first place after being on hiatus for so long. Oh, that's that they true. were just kind of like, hmm. yeah, we'll just, we'll get up there and everyone will love it. And I think they, they knew that they would be good and that's what was annoying about it. Do you know what I mean? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They oh, just, there you go. They kind of knew they were good. Yeah. I mean, Orwell's, no, they were, they're, they're good, but they do it differently. Yeah, well, Orwell's still have to, you have to fight for it, man. And they then know they're good. And uh, you know, our friends East Hills, who we've played for you before, we were supposed to interview them on Sunday. And right when they were about to come on stage, as we were getting into the parking lot and stuff, a torrential uh, thunderstorm. Oh rolled my god, through. that was crazy! It was real. It was pretty strong. One of the strong isolated cells, but it was enough to wash out their show because we got there before their set. I said, "Oh, I'm looking for East Hills." They're like, "They left." <laughs> they laughed. Yeah, they left. And then I talked to their publicist later, and he said, "Yeah, they d- they decided they couldn't play. They they wouldn't have, they would have screwed up the whole schedule for that stage. So they went back to Indiana. So wow. we'll uh, we'll play another song of theirs uh, in the coming weeks. Because after um, the new politics interview, we have something brand new for you as well. We'll need to get to. But I think any other thoughts on Bunbury? This went a lot longer than I thought I was going to. <laughs> oh gosh, I know. I just noticed that. <laughs> Not know, really. Right? Okay. Well, we're gonna go uh, to our uh, new politics interview. And again, a huge thanks to them uh, for doing the interview. And uh, go out and get their. Uh, record because uh, it's actually really good both of them are their first and their second one and go see them they'll be touring with uh paramore and follow boy through the beginning of fall and then they're on their own headlining uh starting like in october november all right so here now is our interview with new politics i cannot wait for that We're joining the interview in progress. Fangirl is talking about oh, drums with <laughs> new politics. <laughs> yeah. 
So we are here on the bus with uh, New Politics. Guys, uh, great show. Thank, Thank you. you so much. So let me get on my list of questions here because I, I got I had many more while we were uh, watching the show. So uh, you two started off writing songs together for what was going to be a solo project for each of you. Is that correct? Uh, no, I don't think we really had a plan. I, I think that was one of the plans. But uh, we definitely started writing music hoping to do something with it. We, we, uh, I think the, the idea was that we were going to help each other a little out because, you know, we were kind of stuck. And then we just, we just connected really well, you know, melodically and stuff. So we, so we ended up writing songs. Then we wanted to look into publishing, but at that time we didn't even have any idea what that actually meant. <laughs> so we just, we just thought we were awesome and then we would send our songs out and somebody would pick them up. <laughs> and write for yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, that's and then it turned out just we ended up writing all these songs and decided, yeah, let's just do it ourselves. Cool. Is that what it's called? No, that's something else. DIY. 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 There's another one I just learned the other day, actually. Iowa. Idiots out wondering about. I've never heard that one. I've never heard that one either. <laughs> the, the, the typical situ- scenario lost in translation <laughs> so you guys have uh, lived here for four years you said what's been the biggest adjustment living in America as opposed to northern Europe I think it's all the little tiny things that you are used to that you know you when you grow up I think it's like sometimes you, you look at America as being this big country and you've, you've seen everything in movies and when you grow up a place all the things that may seem dangerous they're not really dangerous because you grow up with them and then you come over to a different country where you don't know anybody so you have to make new friends and that sounds easy enough to do but it's not really because we're traveling so much so that definitely the, the whole cultural you know all the differences the food and all the weights sometimes the humor because we're like we have no boundaries really um, you know we we definitely unintentionally maybe even offended people by trying to be funny or something like that and we, we do it all the time ourselves so you're not <laughs> it's good uh, yeah the, I would say I would say the whole thing probably the main thing would be where you where you are meeting new people to make friends that can actually be Pretty, pretty rough when you don't when you're not settled in one place. It'll be difficult because I and I listen to British radio a lot, and there's still things I hear and learn. I'm like, oh, I never thought of that. And, you know, if I was over in England, I'd probably be a faux pas. Yeah. Were you guys uh, big fans of American culture before, or British culture, or just yeah, it? totally British and American culture? I think that's music and yeah, just pop punk, TV and movies and oh, yeah. Uh, n- not really. I always, every time we talk to a band, they seem to say, "Oh yeah, Blink One Eighty Two. That's what. That's what made us want to be a band." I, 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 I honestly only knew like one or two of their songs that made it kind of to Europe. You know, I think they're big in Europe, especially in a certain scene. But with Europe, I think it's like, um, it's like how we want to explain it. Like the era that we're really influenced by, and like the era that sort of was around when we listened to radio and MTV and stuff like that is, is more like the grunge or you know that like that sort of scene or like the change over to that you know which is more like a pop whatever and if it's like 
it was like if a band in Europe there, there aren't really genres like here here everything's category like it's in categories like this is this country is this in Europe it's like if a song's good it gets played on mainstream there's no like so we were you know we would like we would listen to Rage Against the Machine Nirvana we would also listen to all the pop stuff that was going on it was like like sort of just a big miss like mix match of it all and like British and American music was huge and had like a big influence on us if it was Oasis or Blur or the, the first the first band I ever played in the guitarist was really into Blink and oh. and so so I know I actually know them really well from, from yeah. that wait what <laughs> that Lewis are Lewis, you're from Denmark as well? No, I did. No, oh, no, oh, okay, I thought so, because your former drummer okay, went back to Denmark. It's completely like with that scene. Like, that's where I grew up. That's where I grew up. That's where I grew up. I'm playing totally. I try to do this on them. But so, born, born and raised in New York? Yeah, Long Island is where I grew up. Long Island, there you go. All right, so, uh, Jets fan? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not really, I wasn't a big football, my friend was on football. I'm a Mets fan, though, which is like, you know. There you go. Yeah. So, you've, you've been trying to Americanize these guys? Yeah. <laughs> or the other way around. Oh, the other way around. Yeah, yeah. Up my knowledge of Danish pop music. We were trying to think oh, today. No, I said this morning. Yeah, that we could think of, we could like think of out of a third one while oh, they were while they were playing. Um, I hope I'm right. Uh, okay, Aqua. Yes. <laughs> Alpha Beat. Yes. Right. And Ravenettes. Yes. Right. Hey, all right, I got it. <laughs> Thank you. I thought Zymox, but they're from Holland. Or yeah. So. A funny story is that when just in the area, in the in the time zone of whatever, we when I met David. Is that the name of the time zone? Not really. <laughs> the period, period where, where I met David. I was actually, I was, I was doing a, some engineering work for a guy who's a producer in Denmark, and he was sharing a studio with Soren and Klaus from Aqua. So I was actually singing demos to them. Really? <laughs> for the stuff after Aqua. <laughs> that is cool. <laughs> yeah, years ago. Yeah. Well, she went on and had a big solo career, didn't she? Barbie girl. <laughs> Come on, Barbie, let's go party. <laughs> on uh, Radio 1, they call that the, the song everybody loves to hate because everybody uh, hates it, but everybody knows it and they love it. They love the thing. You can't help yourself. Yeah, it's kind of like you can't a, help but jump around, sort of singing. <laughs> it's kind of like it. But I haven't been forgotten, Nacho. I haven't been forgotten. They're from they're from Sweden, right? Yeah, yeah. My, my dad loves that song. I listen to that song like religiously. Now I'm jumping the line. I listen to that so much. It's ridiculous. It's actually a great warm-up song too. It's a great warm-up song too because it goes like up and down. So so we use it sometimes like all of us. We like to rock it. Rock it. Yes, Sonora. We have done that. Shake, 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 Sonora. Shake it. That's one of my favorite songs all time. That's just like my top ten. That's my favorite. Those are yeah. Those are good songs. I have Beetlejuice pants. David, did you have any kind of gymnastic training watching you on stage today? Oh, was, God, you oh. jumped over me at one point. <laughs> oh, that was uh, way up there in the front? Yeah, because when I was doing photos in the photo pit, you, you jumped over me. That was you pretty cool. You would have gotten a picture? Just I like, tried so hard, but it was a very cool <laughs> jump. I have, like, your legs, like, just kind of, sort of in the frame. <laughs> uh, no, I never did any gymnastics, but... Um, I always love dancing, and I've always done that. So that sort of dancing is very inspired by. Uh, oh wow, that's amazing! By by sort of anything, anything with motion. That's really cool. 
Hannah just took a Polaroid of uh, David jumping around on stage. So hopefully you can, people uh, people can YouTube this and see uh, see David's antics. Uh, so you guys think you'll stay in America? Or do you ever envision going back to Europe at some point? I wouldn't mind. Uh, I wouldn't mind uh, going back to Europe, but like not Copenhagen. Maybe you know a, a European city, Paris or Barcelona or Berlin, maybe for a few years, and it'll be fun to write an album there and see what 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 sparks out of that. So, do you feel like a New York band? Because we, there was a band here in, in the '80s called Information Society. You might they had a hit called Pure Energy. Remember Don Pure Energy? Yeah. yeah, they were from Minneapolis, and uh, but they had their success in New York, and they always felt they were more of a New York band because that's where they did all of their stuff. And they're sort of living here, they grew up in Minnesota. You guys feel having been in New York now for four years and having a New Yorker with you that you're? I think it's, I think it's more like more like I know I'm not a New Yorker, you know, and I'm. You know, it's like... Uh, Not yet. No, you know, it's like... Uh, we're... Like... It's... But, like, I will say one thing. New York will always have a place in my heart. And it will be, like, a home away from home. So, to some degree, it is... You know, there is that, like... I mean, you've gone through such an emotional roller coaster ride. You know, and that whole change of moving from, from Denmark to New York. And that... Now, it's like you, you fall in love with also the things you didn't like or didn't understand in the beginning. And a part of that whole process will always have, I mean, any, you know, in 20 years down the line or this, any time you look back or that period of that album and everything will be New York. It will be, it will always have a place there. And I think it's one of the greatest cities in the world, hands down, you know, it's like, but I mean, at the same time, I think we're all open to also moving and trying new things. And I, I think, I think if we are, I don't think really we belong anywhere because like we, we're European. <laughs> We're European, so we, but we're also American. Like we're half, you know, half American, yeah. half European, and it's like that's actually nice because we don't, we don't really belong. I, I think we all love New York for for what New York is, but, but there is something about like I could see LA too, definitely. I could also see like we're not some random city, you know, if it was a cool place, but it's more like. Like David just said, you know, you get inspired by your environment. We also got very inspired by being from another country. And I think the, the differences in the cultures, you know, have definitely inspired a lot of things. It would be awesome moving to, like, a place, like, in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. You could get, like, Fiji. Make New York money. Make New York money and, like, live, like, somewhere completely, like, you know, just we each would have our own house in the backyard. That's really what my head is at now with that stuff. And you, you, you actually put that idea in my head. No, that's bad. Yeah. Well, traveling all over the U.S., has it expanded your your songwriting topics, or are they still the basic things you've always been interested in and just kind of seen now through, a, you know, that European and America lens? All of it. Yeah. yeah. Definitely topics, because if you don't write about something that is means something and something that isn't, like, if you write about something that's not personal to you, then nobody will be able to relate to it. And you, yourself, won't be able to perform it and relate to it. So that's very important. That's really something we learned, because I think a lot of, a lot of European Europe, it's not, it's basically only one country that is native English, you know. All the other countries are not, but they all grow up with British American music. So they have, you know, you, you listen to lyrics and always have. So melodies, uh, maybe maybe you focus a little more on melodies there, and not so much the lyrics. And over in America, sometimes you even focus more on lyrics than melodies. So that's something we definitely have to learn. And I think that that's that's cool to finally see that because you also know when you write 
a line or you write a, a song, song has a topic that's, you know, that you can actually personally relate to, suddenly the whole song can change and that, that's definitely something that... We I mean, I mean, art also doesn't have a formula. It's like, it's a hard thing. It's like, you're maybe, you know, you tend to like go towards certain things and stuff, but like some of the best stuff is like, it's art is just timeless you know it doesn't have a formula it doesn't have a time or a, a way of doing it and it doesn't matter if it's something that just like resonates with you it just it hits and it's like that's I think what we are we're also learning a lot just to like write you know just write to write you know it's like you have that much control and you can work hard and you know and, and do your best and go with the flow so you're on tour through the rest of the summer with uh, Fall Out Boy and then you're on your your head and pair and Follow Boy or Paramore? It's all one, two. I thought, okay, I thought I was right. Okay, <laughs> yeah, I was confused for a moment. Um, this isn't hard to do. Uh, so, but then you're out on your own in in the fall. Yeah, then we're hopefully we'll release we'll release new music in um, in the fall, and we're writing constantly every day, and and then uh, be out be out be back out in the fall. I think we're playing 40 shows across the U.S. Bay, Canada, Toronto, Toronto's in that as well, Vancouver. Cool. Well, we'll uh, post those on our website as well. Um, bef- before we get out of here, could you guys do a liner for us to say, hi, I mean, hi this is New Politics, say all your names and we're New Politics, and this is, you're listening to P.S. Tape Recorder. P.S. Tape Recorder. P.S. We get that a lot. And P.F. Flyer. You know what those are? Yeah, I love P.F. Flyer. The New Yorker knows. Of course. Flyers. Flyers. I can't Liars. Flyers. Yeah. Flying. Oh, okay. Not liars. PF liars. Yeah. Yeah. It's like is that what we're saying? No. No. Microphone. PF tape recorder. Tape recorder. PF tape recorder. PF tape recorder. All right. Whatever you're ready. Uh. Hi, I'm David. Hi. It's it's ten thirty. What's up? We're new politics. This is David. I'm Soren, and I'm Lewis, and you are listening to PF. Tape recorder. There you go. Okay, <laughs> try one more time. What's up? We're New Politics. This is David. I'm Soren. And I'm Lewis. And you're listening to PF Tape Recorder. Cool. All right, guys. Uh, well, thanks a lot, and um, thanks for doing this. Really appreciate it. Thank you. And uh, we'll see you guys in November. Thanks again to New Politics for being on the show. Uh, you can catch New Politics with Paramore and Fall Out Boy on the monumental tour that's running through the fall of this year. And uh, you go to any of their websites, you'll be able to find the tour dates very easily. And boy, that's, um again, not a huge fan of Paramore and Fall Out Boy, but still, if I ever were looking for to go see three bands like that, that's a very well put together show. Those bands don't really sound like each other, but they fit very well together. And man, they all tear up the stage from what we saw at Bunbury. Holy cow. So let me see. Um, we're going to have the review of Bunbury, the printed one in Pop Culture Beast, hopefully uh, next week or this week when you folks are hearing this. It's, this is going to drop on Sunday. Hopefully I'll have that out to uh, Garen on, let me see, Monday or Tuesday, along with a lot of pictures taken by Fangirl uh, in the photo pit there covering the whole event. And then if you follow me at PF66 on Twitter or like the podcast on Facebook, PF Tape Recorder, uh, I'll update you as to when the printed review is going to run. 
we're going to skip the uh, reviews this week, not the reviews, the um, credits this week, because you all know those. I would say, though, if you're uh, joining us because you want to hear the Bunbury review or you're a new politics fan or want to hear talk about the Orwells or one of the other uh, acts we discussed, uh, please do feel free to go back and cherry pick through our archives. It's mostly a comedy podcast, which you will also enjoy, but we also discuss music, and uh, and it's a comedy podcast. And even though we talk about music a lot, we have fun with it. Um, now, speaking of, uh, late Saturday night, uh, the, uh, I get back from the Bunbury festival kind of late because we stayed for Paramore and I'm looking at my emails just to see if the Orwell's interview is going to come through and there's nothing but uh, I get an email from uh, someone I've known for about 20 years a publicist uh, it's, it's I believe she was Nine Inch Nails publicist I believe she is still OMD's publicist among many other artists and uh, she sent me uh, a track by a, a group called Zoot Woman who I'm embarrassed to say I've never heard of but these guys are really well regarded uh, over in Europe uh, and you think me being a techno pop daddy would know these cats uh, they're about to release their fourth album. Uh, the one guy in the group, Stuart Price, has worked with Madonna, The Killers, Pet Shop Boys, Chromio off of Montreal. Uh, so how did I not know about these guys? I don't know, but they're on the radar now. Um, he's also in the band, by the way, with two brothers, Johnny and Adam Blake. And like I said, they're coming out with their fourth album at the end of August. I believe it's uh, going to be released worldwide on August 29th, both in the UK, the US, and the rest of the uh, globe. Their current single uh, from their album Star Climbing is called Don't Tear Us Apart, and we're going to listen to it uh, right now. Uh, it's going to be our playout song for you. And I, as I understand, if I'm understanding this correctly, um, this is a semi-exclusive. In other words, not a lot of outlets are getting to play this track, but we are. And I think that is either for one of two reasons. One, they are desperate for some coverage, or, a, a contrary to my self-defeating self, and I think this is the more likely scenario, I think maybe that the, their publicist realizes that I do know a lot about electronic music, and I am a big fan, and probably folks who listen to the podcast uh, are of like mind, at least. And also that I'll be able to get some coverage in some of the uh, other outlets, because I've been doing this for 20 years. And uh, so I'm going to go with that, and say that that is the reason we have got this semi-exclusive to play the new Zoot Woman single, which doesn't really sound like uh, anything. I mean, everything sounds like everything to a point, but I think this is still a pretty unique sound. I mean, you could you could probably pull out a lot of different sounds from it, but it's a very smooth. Uh, it's very clean and more of a kind of a Vince Clark kind of clean techno-y sort of way. And uh, I think you'll see what I mean, but maybe kind of mellow and more of a Pet Shop Boys kind of way. So I don't know, you see what you think. Um, I really like it, and I think you will too. I'm anxious to listen to the rest of the album, uh, which we're not allowed to play, <laughs> uh, but I have all 10 tracks. I'm, I bet I'm going to find something I like even better than this in there, so I can't wait. Uh, in the meantime, though, this is Zoot Woman's brand new single, Don't Tear Us Apart, on PS Tape Recorder. So long, and thanks for listening. When tears blind one.